0: Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan.
1: And I'm Kevin Henry.
0: Welcome to Chew On This.
1: We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on.
0: If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us.
1: And now let's give you something to chew on.
0: All right, we are back with the holiday year-end edition of Chew on This. Welcome back, everyone, and what's up, K-Dawg? Dog?
1: is the holiday season, ho, 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 headbangers. I am ready to uh, get 2020 behind us like the rest of the crew, I think.
0: So the big question is, are you indulging in any fruitcake this
1: year? Uh, You know, I'm not a fruitcake guy, I got to be honest with you. I like fruit, and I like cake. I'm just not sure together they're, they're perfect. How about you?
0: I am lucky in that everybody in my life doesn't like fruitcake. Nice. So I get it all.
1: Oh, oh, I a, love, oh, I love You're it. a fruitcake hoarder as well.
0: I love it. You know what? I, I got this from my mom and I grew up not liking fruitcake. And now, you know how they say you turn into your parents and you get horrified? <laughs> This is, I have inherited the fruitcake gene. So if you put a fruitcake in front of me, have you ever, you've seen the Tasmanian devil cartoons? I have. I spin around. And by the time I'm done spinning, the fruitcake is gone.
1: And and Inca is (laughs) jealous of your moves whenever you do that. I'm sure. Yes. The
0: dogs are like, can't you just drop a crumb while you're spinning? Can't you do that? That's awesome. But what about the eggnog?
1: Okay. So I'm not an eggnog guy either. The only holiday thing I like really go nuts for is like the uh, toasted and brulee thing at uh, Starbucks.
0: Oh. That's the
1: only thing that I go like holiday. Yay, it's here. I'm not a pumpkin spice guy. Don't even start me on that. <laughs> but I'll go. I'll go toasted. You know, something very sugary from Starbucks. Sure, I'll do that.
0: What about the peppermint bark?
1: Peppermint bark, checks mix. Give me. This is the time of year when checks mix is acceptable. You know. So uh, yeah. How about you? We're drumming
0: up the holiday spirit here.
1: Exactly.
0: No eggnog is not my. No, I don't like it. I think it tastes weird. And I heard people put it, like mix it with coffee, which I think sounds disgusting, but they love it. I don't, it's weird to me. No, But fruitcake is, oh, you know what? My mom, I always get her summer sausage for Christmas.
1: Oh, the yes. The Pepperidge Farms in the mall yes. back in the day. Absolutely. She needs a summer
0: sausage. And I don't know why we can't eat it any other time of the year, but it seems like that's a Christmas thing. So she gets, this has been going on. It's like her stocking stuffer for the last you know, 30 years.
1: At some point I have to hang with your mom. There's just no question in my mind that has to happen.
0: I don't know about that. My mom is crazy Asian personified. I don't know. She'd be like, oh, that, that white boy is so nice. You know,
1: we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a swap. You come hang in Oklahoma with Ruth Ellen and I'll hang with your mom. And it'll be I can hang with
0: Ruth Ellen. I like your mom. <laughs> I don't know. My mom's going to make you drive her everywhere and try to feed you foods you can't even pronounce. So good luck with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. I may have to rethink that. Then, so.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's move into our new segment. And we also want to end with some predictions. So yes. we'll do that. So I wanted to talk to you about something that continues to surprise me, which is Smile Direct Club, our friends at Smile Direct Club. We actually have no friends at Smile Direct Club, but our our people at Smile Direct Club have been making deals and they are starting to partner with more insurance companies. And they just had a press release saying that they have signed a partnership with MetLife, which really surprises me. So let me back up and say why it surprises me. When they first came out, you know, I go to these insurance meetings and they were all very much like, this is going to be bad. And we shouldn't cover this because it's not true orthodontics. And now we're getting, we're seeing a lot of coverage. And I think part of the pressure is when our patients say they have an ortho benefit, they, they realize they have, I don't know, $1,000, $1, for ortho. They go to Smile Direct Club, they think they're getting ortho, and they're mad that they can't use their benefits. So I think the, the carriers have been hearing that pressure. But MetLife is one. And then let me add, they are already working with United Healthcare, Aetna. Anthem, Blue Cross, and Blue Shield, Empire, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and they do work and talk with Cigna, Delta, and uh, Humana, So, which means there may be some coverage available there. I am just really surprised. So Smile Direct Club has really started making all these professional moves into the industry. Any thoughts on that?
1: I'm going to answer your question with a question, and this one thing that I I'm curious about, so with insurance benefits, does that then go through the dentist who you work with through the Smile Direct Club to get started? Is that how that works? I'm curious.
0: So they have all these kiosks and, and storefronts and all of that. And apparently what happens is the Smile Direct Club team is giving you information so that you can file your own claims. Ah, okay. But any partnerships that Smile Direct Club gets with practices, and I, they do work with a lot of practices, then it can run through the practice. When we last talked about Smile Direct Club, which I think was last year, Kevin, and I'll link in the show notes the last time we kind of described their business model. When I looked into that at that point, I was surprised to learn that dentists were actually paying to be a part of Smile Direct Club to be able to uh, offer this service. Now, I guess it's not that big of a deal because it seems like they're recruiting more and more. I am just really surprised.
1: And the reason that I ask that is because I know another thing that I saw about Smile Direct Club recently is that they've partnered with a DSO up in Michigan uh, called Unified Smiles. Yes. So I'm seeing Smile Direct Club go with more DSOs and trying to work on the business side. You're seeing them work with the insurance side. So it seems like that there would be somewhat of a natural fit there, I guess, to ramp up the insurance game, knowing that you're going to try to work with more and more DSOs in the future.
0: That Yeah, that was surprising to see too, but, but again, they're making more inroads with that. What do you think, though, about the stigma of Smile Direct Club? And I don't mean stigma on the consumer side because consumers seem to love them, but the stigma on the dental side is, oh my God, another Smile Direct Club patient, their teeth are jacked up, blah, blah, blah. How do you overcome a bad reputation?
1: How do I say this delicately? I think you and I both know people in the industry who have a very bad reputation, Mm -hmm. yet they keep finding ways to work with people. And I think that, that that is what is happening with companies like a Smile Direct Club, is that there are still not enough people who have either heard or seen or whatever it might be. I know that Smile Direct Club has worked for some folks. I understand that completely, but we know also the reputation that it carries in the industry. And I still think that there are enough folks in our industry, sadly, that if you wave a dollar at them, they will be happy to do whatever is needed. So do they look the other way sometimes whenever it comes to those zero star reviews or whatever it might be? Yeah, I think they do.
0: There's even an Instagram page of Smile Direct Club failures or whatever, patients who are happy unhappy with Smile Direct Club. So yeah, there's a lot out there. But you know, Aspen Dental has a pretty negative reputation too, and they seem to be going right along. And I'm not bashing Aspen Dental. If you look online and do searches... They don't have a great reputation. They even have a Facebook group for asthma dental patients. So but it seems to keep going.
1: It does. And and I think there's a lot of uh, you know, there are some smaller DSOs here in Colorado where I live that their reputation has god-awful. It's it's yeah. horrible. And yet I still see them advertising on TV. I still see brand new reviews going on about them on social media. So it's like there's this confluence of patients still coming in that you know don't understand what's happened in the past but they're still anxious to have some kind of treatment done and so you've got that and then you've also got the dental side that again i think some folks are are willing to do whatever is needed in these economic times to boost their revenue and there's kind of your perfect storm brewing
0: so with smile direct club going through a dental office i think that makes a little bit more sense because you actually have a dentist that's going to take x-rays that's going to take a look at it it's more comprehensive in these kiosks, a lot of times they don't even require x-rays.
1: And I think that's the thing that I found most interesting. I know you've been drawn to the insurance side, but, but I, what you just said is spot on. Seeing them partner with more and more DSOs, with more and more dental practices, then I think that's taken away a little bit of the negative stigma that there was originally. Uh, you know, so I think they're trying, you know, and I don't have any insight in this, but I think they're trying to move in that direction. And I think that whenever you're working with insurance companies and all of a sudden you're partnering with practices, it's like maybe the dawn of a new business model that we're seeing come together.
0: Oh gosh, we've seen so many new business models in the last 10 years, haven't we? We have.
1: We know that, you know, I've I've talked to some folks at Align. Uh, we know from what we've seen with Small Direct Club, uh, you know, and there's a lot of clear aligners out there, let's be honest. But we know that this year, despite everything that's gone on. The cosmetic dentistry business, when it comes to clear aligners, has not slowed down. And a lot of it is because people are looking at themselves in Zoom and going, ugh. One Align guy told me that they call it the Zoom boom. You know, it really is. It's people looking at themselves online and going, oh, you know, and and, uh, really judging their own smile by looking at themselves on Zoom.
0: So you said "zoom boom," and then all these eighties rap songs came floating to mind, right?
1: So- exactly, you know. But That's I
0: awesome. like that "zoom boom." The like zoom that. boom. All right, that might have to be worked into the title of this uh, this podcast.
1: I, I don't know about you, but whenever like you and I are talking right now and I can see you, I gotta be honest. I look a lot of times toward me more than I do you. I don't know why my eyes are drawn there, but.
0: Cause you love yourself. That's well, why I do.
1: You know, I've <laughs> Greek mythology somewhere in there, but it, <laughs> and I go, Oh God, you're handsome today. It's amazing. You know, just-
0: <laughs> I see you. You get lost in your eyes. I see it. What
1: were we talking about? I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, this girl is bugging me now. <laughs> I'll come back to you. Beautiful. My goodness. So this zoom thing is funny because I had read it was either like a Macy's or JCPenney's or something they made a comment that they are not selling as many pants. <laughs> and <laughs> and jeans and all that like they That's actually awesome. are down. You know, not a huge amount but down. And it's because everybody's just buying tops and Walmart says, you know, they're they're selling more tops than ever before. I remember they did say that. That's tremendous. Right after we started staying home. So I have to say, I I get it. I have some really nice tops to wear, but I'm in sweats or yoga pants the whole day.
1: PJs are comfortable. Let's be perfectly honest here, you know, and and you just make sure your camera's off when you stand up and, you know, it's all good. Hey, so.
0: I was doing a webinar with somebody and it's a very well-respected doctor and he cracked me up. He had the great suit and tie and he stepped away in pregame before the conference and he stepped away and he's wearing Bermuda shorts. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow hey this is where we are now right
1: absolutely you know and and let's be honest they've been doing this on newscasts and you know sportscasts for years you know so we just finally caught up with them as a society now
0: there's been some really great news blooper reels i'll have to link one of them since they've been home all the bloopers that have happened with like kids running back and forth and and cats jumping on you in the middle of a broadcast so
1: that is awesome.
0: And I totally get it, because you know how many times you and I are like, what's going on now with your dogs? Like, <laughs> they make all these noises. So,
1: <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. All right, so Zoom Boom. We're going to have to keep an eye out for that and uh, see if see if it goes into the new year.
1: And then I think, unfortunately, we we all say, oh, we're ready for 2020 to be over. And we know that when the clock strikes midnight, 2021 is going to look exactly the same. You know, at least <laughs> for a while. Let's be honest here. It's true. But, uh, but you're right. I, I think that at least through... You know, first, second quarter next year, we're still going to be Zooming a whole bunch. Absolutely.
0: How weird, though, to not have a huge New Year's Eve celebration in Times Square.
1: Yeah. That's odd. The Thanksgiving Day Parade was very strange to watch.
0: They should have just rebroadcast last year. So that would have been easier.
1: So there was one of them that did like a best of. I don't know if you saw that, but it was no. like, you remember three years ago when this balloon came through? And I was like, oh, God, this is what we've been reduced to. <laughs>
0: So (laughs) there's a cam there's one of those live cams that's focused on Times Square and I check it out every now and then man it's so empty even Friday night Saturday night it's so empty it's sad sad. yeah so it's it's a whole different ballgame for sure it is let's go on you had a story that you wanted to share
1: yeah so I knew we were going to start talking about DSOs and I thought we could just kind of keep that train running a little bit so Smile Direct Club is working with DSOs well DSOs are also being purchased which I thought was Uh, Something that we've talked about prediction-wise when this year started, and I know we're going to get into predictions in a few, but I was very interested to see that uh, early in December, that Midwest Dental, which is a a big DSO uh, located in the upper Midwest and New England regions, uh, was purchased by a private equity group with Smile Brands as kind of the umbrella that purchased them. This was a big deal to me because Midwest Dental was more than 230 offices. So it was a pretty big acquisition. And with this now, Smile Brands and this Griffin Investors, uh, you don't know a Griffin by any chance, do you, Teresa?
0: I have the best Griffin. My dog, Griffin, for those of you who are like, what is she talking about?
1: (laughs) Well, so Griffin Investors, which I'm sure your dog's probably a minority holder in, (laughs) now is up to 650 practices around the U.S., so while that's not at Heartland or Aspen levels, any stretch, it's certainly something now you keep an eye on them and go, okay, they've built, they've acquired, so they've obviously got the capital. What's coming next? And I, I thought it was really interesting now to see Midwest Dental, which was in the top 10 as far as DSO size in the country, get bought by somebody else.
0: The vet industry is a very interesting comparison to dental because when you and I were younger and growing up there were just mom and pop vets all over the place right yep. so it wasn't huge business now you've really only got i think 2 to 3 vet companies that own i think there's veterinary centers of america or something and then there's bannon and one other but there's not a lot of variety out there in the vet market anymore and i wonder if this is where where we're going, it's still not difficult to be an independent dentist. So, I mean, of course, it's be an entrepreneur, fine, but it's not like you're getting crowded out yet because there's still enough of them out there. But what's that going to look like 15, 20 years, you know, when the older dentists are saying, okay, it's time I'm out.
1: And I'm just going to hop into predictions and then we can hop back out. But I'm telling you what, what I'm hearing so much is that COVID-19 and everything else has been kind of the acceleration for so many dentists to say, you know what, I'm tapping out, I'm done. Uh And that's opening the door for a lot of DSOs, not the, the big ones maybe, but there are a lot of these smaller ones that are gobbling up practices that we don't ever hear about. But there are a lot of dentists who have chosen to move up their retirement sooner just to not have to deal with what's going on. I think 2021, at least at the start, you're going to see more and more practices that have changed ownership and suddenly have new business models.
0: Now, so that's interesting, the business model side of it. So let's let's look at that for a second. As a full-fledged business run like a corporation, you have benefits for employees. You have more structured work hours. You have a more structured chain of command hierarchy and all that kind of stuff. That's not typically what dental offices are used to. However, as an employee, it's actually beneficial to be in a place sure. that's going to offer you benefits and a steady wage and guaranteed hours and blah, blah, blah. Honestly, I think that is going to be a huge and again predictions for next year and the year and, and beyond. I think dental workers are going to love the fact that there's corporations out there that will hire them. In the groups, I can tell you, I, you know, I'm on a lot of the managers' groups. And when they hear that they, oh, I get full benefits. Oh, I have, you know, blah blah blah. You start, you start thinking, why am I with this person that's not paying me much, and he makes me clock out, and and you know that kind of stuff. So that might be a benefit.
1: I'm I'm hearing the same thing on the dental assistant side, is that that they're talking to each other, and you know, we talked about stigmas at the start of this, and DSOs have had stigmas about team working with them, and all of a sudden people are going, wait a minute. You get benefits? Wait a minute. It's run like a business? This is just a warning bell to a lot of these individual practices out there that this is what you're having to combat now whenever you're hiring for somebody, is that absolutely benefits and pay are going to be big things that uh, potential employees are looking at heading into next year.
0: And to be fair, it's not necessarily the DSOs that we are referring to. It's really any any company, any industry that offers benefits and all of that. Oh, yeah. If you're not a ride or die dental person like you and I are, you could work a couple years in dental and go, eh, you know what? This isn't, th- this isn't for me, you know, and move. And what are you going to look for? You're going to look for something that has benefits and good pay.
1: I-, I can tell you one of the best dental assistants that I knew young, excited about the industry, everything else. She's now barista at Starbucks and she wow. is happier because she's getting paid more. She gets benefits or she knows her schedule. I can tell you, she she doesn't miss the industry anymore. But that was, like you said, she's not a ride or die dental person like like a lot of us are who are listening to this.
0: Right. If you're a solo business owner, don't freak out with what we're saying. I don't think there's this huge thing is going to happen in the year or two coming up. You still have time to really compete as a business sure. entity. But that's what's going to take. It's you're going to need to compete on a business entity level.
1: And I've always been of the belief that you have to know what your competition is and you have to take off the blinders to really understand how to compete against them. And you're right. We're not we're not trying to scare anybody, but you've got to realize that whenever you you call me and you say, I can't find a good dental assistant. I can tell you one of the reasons why. (laughs) And it's because there are a lot more opportunities for them in and out of dentistry right now, even in this pandemic, even with the way things are shut down right now with restaurants and everything else there are still places that are hiring and there are still places that look a lot more appealing than having to wear the PPE.
0: You know what would be, I don't know if it's interesting or kind of horrifying or whatever, but a minimum wage of $15 an hour nationally is going to hurt a lot of dentists, especially if they're in rural areas and they can't really pay that. But Florida right now is going through that. They have a mandated $15 an hour now, or I don't know when it's going to take effect, but they did just pass that and i was on a call with a bunch of managers from florida and they were all not happy because they have to redo all of their projections they have to take a look sure. at all of their payroll because now if you have somebody who was making 16 an hour and thinking that they were doing really well now when the minimum wage goes to 15 do you raise them to be that same percentage over minimum wage or do you go no 16 is good right now so it's it's going to be crazy when that really goes into effect i'm kind of Curious to see how that works. And then that'll give us the bellwether on how it would do on a national level.
1: Well, and one of the big stories here locally is that Denver is going to go ahead with instituting a higher minimum wage next year.
0: Oh, they are?
1: Yeah, despite the pandemic, despite the business environment, everything else. And there are a lot of restaurants that are going, that's the death knell for us right there.
0: And that's the city of Denver, not your whole state?
1: No, that's the city of Denver. And so there are a lot of restaurants in Denver that are saying, we can't serve people in house right now and now we're going to have to pay people more you know so they're talking about lack of jobs some restaurants closing and you know and, and on the surface it sounds good to say we want to raise it up but you're exactly right there's a big domino effect whenever minimum wage goes up and and I'm not saying i'm against it but i'm also saying that you've got to realize that while it helps a lot of folks out there there's a lot of repercussions for others
0: You know, you can read pros and cons till you're blue in the face. There's so much written on pros and cons. You know, one of the cons is that the companies are going to move to automation. One of the pros is you'll be able to attract and retain talent. I mean, there's just all sorts of pros and cons to it. But for restaurants, I mean, that's a totally different business model. Take a waitress, for example. She is getting tips and she probably gets tipped really well. So for example, if she's working at, I don't know, Hooters or something, let's just go with Hooters. Because you know what? Wings, the Hooters wings are delicious. I've
1: heard. I've never been in one of those places.
0: You've never been in a Hooters?
1: Work with me here, Duncan. Come on.
0: Oh, damn. Sorry. (laughs) I was going to say you're a a red-blooded male. There's no way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wink. You know.
0: (laughs) Wow. I'm the only degenerate. No, I'm kidding.
1: See, you were looking at yourself instead of me winking at it.
0: I know. I know. If you work at Hooters, you get really good tips and all that, but your base salary is really low. Does that take away the base? Does that take away tips then? So how does that work?
1: I have no idea. I'll be fascinated to see because I think that you're going to see a lot of folks who thought this was a really great idea. All of a sudden, there's fewer of them working there. And like Aww. you said, the tip structure may change and who knows what. But until restaurants, at least in my area and, and for the rest of the country as well, can open back up fully, it's going to be a hard time.
0: Yeah. So we'll have to check on that. And Kevin, for the first time ever, you can walk through a Hooters door and tell me how what you think this about
1: This magical that. place. You know,
0: (laughs) My son loves it. (laughs) My 20-year-old son loves it. He's happy to go pick up food whenever we want it. I'll do
1: it. I'm gone. I'm out.
0: So helpful, my child. He is. Okay, so we may be looking at different business models coming up in the future. Uh, Smile Direct Club is getting in there, doing their thing. They're kind of growing. Oh, I did want to talk to you about something that the ADA has put out. Yeah. They sent a letter to the president-elect team. Because I assume that they've talked about this with the Trump team um, being the uh, sitting president, but they sent a letter basically stating what they would like to see by working with the organization. And it's really interesting because they have been pushing for, let me give you some background. One of the organizations that, you know, all healthcare associations work with is the Center for Medicaid Services. They are the one, Medicare Services, they are the ones who administer Medicare, which is the largest healthcare program in the country. Medicare does not cover most dental at all. And that's always been something that ADA has been in talks with them about. They're not very public about it. It's more of like a quiet behind the scenes. I mean, you can read about it on their site, but they don't blast out, you know, hey, we're trying to be covered by Medicare. They are pushing now for there to be a dental director as part of the Center of Medicare Services, which is not something that's there. So they are asking for a position to be created. And I think that's good because it, it brings awareness of oral health and how that all works. They're also pushing to be able to have uh, liability protection in the case of administering and conducting tests for, it says FDA approved services, but really they're talking about COVID because it's under a COVID category. So they're looking for liability protection on that, which I think is very smart. They're advocating for more adult Medicaid and to protect adult Medicaid that's out there. Adult Medicaid, for those of you that aren't up on Medicaid, typically comes and goes with elections. Sometimes it's put back in, sometimes it's taken out. I mean, it's really very ping pongy. They would like to see adult Medicaid stay. Then the other part is, there was something else I wanted to see here. They wanted more tax credits for small businesses for the purpose of purchasing PPE equipment and for making safety improvements to the office. I read safety improvements to the office and I thought, oh, that's great. People are going to get their offices totally rebuilt in the name of safety. I kind of thought that. (laughs) And then uh, also incentivizing providers to work in disadvantaged communities. They want to work with the administration elect, I guess you would call it, in that. And then they wanted to extend teaching centers and their presence in the National Health Service Corps, which is, uh, you know, kind of just, it's public health. But I thought this letter, and I'll link it, this letter was really almost like a quick summary of their advocacy efforts. So if anybody's wondering, you know, what the heck are they doing and all that, the advocacy page is great. I'll link that too. But they're doing their, hey, we're here, don't ignore us, we'd like to work with you type of thing. So it was nice to see.
1: It it is nice. I think the ADA doesn't get enough credit for what it does to lobbying, advocacy, everything else. You know, so kudos to them for being very proactive with that.
0: No, I was excited to see it for sure. So I'll definitely link all that. That really was just more of a, hey, keep an eye out for it. One thing that I really love, and I think we may have talked about this before in the last episode, but they're looking to do a non-covered services law that would be national. I just am crossing my fingers for that so i know my carrier friends are not but i i am so that's my news any news from you any other news
1: no i mean that's that's some good stuff right there i I think that all of us head into the new year hoping that things will be different planning for them to be different but it's good to know that there's a lot going on behind the scenes to make things different as well
0: let me ask you a question and this is kind of going into predictions we wanted to do a predictions part but it made me think with this vaccine getting fast-tracked, FDA, they really cut like all sorts of stuff with the FDA, right? It's proven that that can be done. They can shorten the time frame. Does that help the dental companies who are international, who try to come in and get approval through the FDA, but it's so much work? Does that help the dental manufacturers across the ocean?
1: You know, you and I didn't talk about this before we started, and it's fascinating that you bring that up because that's one of the things that I've talked about with a couple of friends in the industry regarding IDS.
0: Ooh, tell me everything.
1: So the International Dental Show, for those of you who don't know, happens in Cologne, Germany every two years, is supposed to, underline that, supposed to happen in March of 2021. I am still hoping to be over there. I think it would be fascinating to see what they are doing to keep it a safe show. But that's one thing that I've talked about with a couple of my manufacturer friends is that exact same scenario.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: There's so many things that we see in Cologne, and uh, this will be my 11th trip over there if I get to go. I walk down the aisles, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is such a great product. And the guy goes, yeah, that will never be in the U.S., just so you know. And there's so much that I see that I'm like, oh, dentists would die to see this stuff and be able to use it. But there's so many restrictions on it coming into the U S versus the EU or other parts of the world. That's been one of the theories that they have, have said is that now there's a way to say, look, if you did it for this and it's in the interest of public health, why aren't you doing it for medical and dental devices that could be in the interest of public health as well? That is just kind of freaky to me that you brought that up uh, because that's
0: and I never knew about this until I had gone overseas and not to the IDS. I have not made it to that show yet, although we keep, I keep trying, but I don't know. Somebody wants to pay me to speak and that's kind of more important. at some Yeah, you
1: know, just saying.
0: But I had gone to Singapore years and years ago and I, 52 hour round trip for a one hour speech. I don't think I'll ever do that again. What I was down there for was the International Dental Equipment Manufacturers meeting down there. And it was fascinating because I walked around and there were companies I had never heard of. I never even knew they existed. And I would say, you know, I don't see you at the shows. And it was the same thing. We won't get approval. We'll never get approval. We've tried. It's too much. It's actually cost prohibitive for these small companies to do it. And they get lots of money in other countries that aren't so, I guess, difficult to work with. So- you know, the Asian market isn't apparently as strict with their guidelines. So you've got lots of little companies over there.
1: You do. There's different pavilions when you walk around IDS. And one of the ones I love to hang out at is the Korean pavilion and mm-hmm. just see the technology that they're bringing. And again, it, it's into dentistry. So I sit here and I just, I mean, you just, your eyes roll back in your head because it's so cool. And you go, well, next time I'm in Seoul, you know, I'll see that, but I'll, I won't see it in, in uh, <laughs> Tulsa anytime soon. So
0: so hopefully they do shorten that time frame because it would be nice to see some of the different manufacturers. I mean, there's implant designs that won't make it in the U.S. And they're probably fine. There's probably no problems with them, but they just, they're not going to make it. No. So that's kind of sad.
1: It is, but you know, like you said, maybe the door's been lifted on that a little bit. And I know this is an extreme example with the vaccine and everything else, but as you said, it's shown that it's feasible to fast track things. Why can't you do that for other medical devices or dental devices as well?
0: Well, I hope that it happens because it's always, some of the, some of the stuff that I saw was like, oh, that's so simple. What an improvement. And and then you got to think, okay, well somebody's going to see this and rip it off and change their product just a little bit.
1: That doesn't happen. Oh no. No. Go <laughs> on.
0: Oh, that's interesting that that you had that talk. Okay, so we'll have to keep an eye on on that and and how that goes. When you went to IDS in the past, didn't you do video tours or take video? I have. Are they uploaded anywhere?
1: Uh they are actually. Yeah, I can uh I'll send find that link? and I can send you the link absolutely. Uh, I know there's a link of just the crowd that's there. And that's the thing that floors me every time is you look at a crowd at a midwinter or a greater New York in the exhibit hall versus IDS in the exhibit hall. It's, it's mind boggling how crowded it is. And so that's also one of the reasons why I want to go this year is because they supposedly have put in these very strict ways that they're going to keep people separated in the exhibit hall. I don't see how that's going to happen, but I'm anxious to see what their plan is.
0: I am curious. Do you have a prediction you'd like to throw out?
1: I think the biggest prediction that I'm going to throw out is just the rise of AI and what we're going to see in that in 2021. And, you know, and and I'm not talking Terminator and Skynet and everything else, but I think we're already seeing so much. And and you can talk about this as well, obviously, with AI and, and insurance and reading x-rays and doing so much with that. I just see that it's going to take such a step forward next year and AI is going to be a bigger part of the dental industry than than it ever has been. Uh, and I think individual dental practices as well.
0: Do you remember years ago, we talked about uh, 3D printing and how it was going to be the next thing and now everything's being 3D printed. So I think we are just going to be a computer-driven industry faster than, than we think we are.
1: And the kid, and I say kids, you know, but the men and women that are Julia's age and Noah's age that are coming into the industry. Now this is second nature for them. And I think that's going to help accelerate this so far as well is because there's no fear of this technology. They've grown up with it and uh, they're ready to embrace it and see what it can do.
0: So one of the funny things that Noah makes fun of me for is I say, you know, life doesn't come with a joystick or something like that. I'll say something like it. You're not going to have a joystick the rest of your life. And he's like, mom, you're so old. It's a controller. (laughs) well, you're not going to have one of those either. So (laughs)
1: that's awesome. I
0: I know I totally out myself as being an eighties child. So here's my prediction. You're going to see a flood of training out there for auxiliaries more than ever. And I'm going to say that because I talked to a lot of dental consultants and speakers and almost all of them are planning some kind of office manager training or curriculum or something. So there's going to be a plethora of training out there. And I think for dental offices now, because Zoom has, the Zoom boom has happened to CE, you're gonna have a lot of stuff to choose from, so I think speakers and co- and our consulting colleagues are gonna to have to really differentiate themselves. Same thing with the clinical side of it. So I was in a conversation with a dentist, and I said, "Oh, but you know, you're always gonna need live CE." And he goes, "Why?" He said, "All we did was sit in the audience, anyways, and look at slides and see, you know, have them talk about their technique. Why would we need to do that live?" I was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't think of that."
1: And it is one thing to watch what every state does regarding the mandated amount of live CE that is required per year. What are they going to do to change that, knowing the the climate that we're in? And and I think you're right. I think that that lid has come off as well, and people are saying live. Why? Why do I need to fly to Chicago to do this now or New York? I can I can sit right here in my house in my PJs.
0: I think it's going to shake out, and you know, move into the CE side. I think it's going to shake out that the big shows are going to survive in the middle medium shows are going to be absorbed. I think like, like the Virginia state meeting, for example, it's a medium show. It's a state meeting, but it's not as well attended as it could be. So could they just say, Oh, forget it. We'll meet at the annual session. You know, could they do that? Sure. So I, I do think you're going to see some consolidation of that, but I think you're going to see a huge rise in study club meetings and Patterson and Shine and Midway Dental and Benko led meetings. I think the manufacturers are actually going to be the ones to watch when it comes to CE.
1: I think that's pretty spot on, and I, I think that you're going to see less, well, I won't say less opportunities, but I, I think trade shows are going to be forced to change now that this has happened, and uh, you're right. The the big ones will will still exist, but I still think they're going to have a hybrid component to them as well, along with the live.
0: So that you think they'll offer live and then recordings or being able to add, you know, attend later?
1: I would bet so. Or, you know, hey, if you don't want to fly to New York, you can still be a part of the greater New York by doing this. I think that meetings will start doing that uh, as well. And who knows, you know, we may get into live streaming, you know, CE. I know that that takes a a whole different bandwidth, but uh, I think that's a real possibility too.
0: I mean, there's lots of companies that do it. John Stamper's done it for a lot of different organizations. They do the live streaming. So maybe that is what we do. And you can potentially talk to 20 people in person and thousands.
1: I think it's very possible. I absolutely do.
0: I also think the implant companies and the endo companies, you know, the specialty type reps, I think they're going to start doing, I don't know if they are, I would say if I were a rep. I would start doing open houses because you cannot have all these people come and test out your equipment on the show floor, but you work with a specialist in the area and do another evening catered hors d'oeuvres, come test out all this stuff. I think you're going to see specialist study clubs really take off because what better way to show off your equipment than in a friendly crowd of the specialist who has a, a serious referral system. I think that's going to be something you'll see more and more of.
1: I think so. And I'll throw out something on that line as well. I talked to a a friend yesterday in the industry and what he told me is that the days of you going to a booth and trying out eight different scanners are over. But what he believes is that now the rep will connect with you, walk you through the benefits, pros, cons of every one of those, and then maybe bring one or two to you to try out.
0: Interesting. But he or
1: she is the rep is got to try and narrow down your choices so that he or she can better serve you in person rather than what we used to do with the touchy feely stuff at shows.
0: Right. And, and honestly, I think reps, I would think as a rep, they would like that because at the show, you get a lot of people who are just window shopping. You oh, really yeah. don't know who's serious. So it's really more focused sales. So I, yeah, I think CE and trade is going to be very interesting at the end of next year. We'll have to listen to this recording before we record next year's and see if we were totally wrong. And if we were totally wrong, we just are going to stop. We're going to just stop. We're done.
1: <laughs> we're done. That's it. Goodbye.
0: Why should anyone listen to us when we don't know what we're talking about? <laughs> so we shall see. By this time next year, Kevin, you think we're mask or no mask?
1: If we're still masking next time, next year at Greater New York, I'm going to have a problem with that. I got to be perfectly honest with you
0: let's be honest on flights. I think you should mask just because I don't want to smell Mrs. Jones next door.
1: <laughs> you were masking before it was cool though. Let's be perfectly honest. It's true.
0: I used to fly with my scarf and I would scarf up my face. Yes. I
1: used to love the posts.
0: When I smell a foul odor, here comes the scarf.
1: Oh, somebody's got perio <laughs> breath. Whoop! There it went. Ooh. I'm just telling you.
0: You are correct. I,
1: yeah. You know, your country when country wasn't cool. That's all right. <laughs> so I do think that my hope is that we have part of a baseball season next year with fans in attendance. I hope that we are at trade shows next year, you know, even if it's a hybrid model and that we're, we're free enough to walk around without the mask on full time. So what about you?
0: I think we're still masking. Okay. Only because uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the fact that people are litigious. And okay. I think you're going to have a lot of suits. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about the thing that you said last week or last episode, where some trade shows may require you to have a vaccine yeah, in order to participate. And, you know, we were talking, do speakers have to do that? I talked to another friend, our friend, uh, Dr. Stephanie, Yeah. Tony Stephanie, who writes for Dr. Bicuspid. He does. He was saying he's hearing that a lot from the companies, that the companies are going to require their employees. Interesting. And so he's like, "Uh, this is, you know, this is wild, the times that we're in. I don't know. I may need to pay off a doctor to give me a saline injection, say that it's a, say it's a vaccine to get my vaccine
1: card. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a whole black market for that now. That's That's, right. uh, It's true.
0: If it comes up, people come contact me because I'm going to sniff it out and I'm going to find it.
1: Oh, my Lord.
0: We'll have vaccine parties, just like they have Botox parties, right? Now,
1: this is what I absolutely want to hear next year. Uh, Guy <laughs> yeah, you remember when? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see who's right this time next year, you know? I'll uh, be we'll... like the
0: number one COVID-19 party host of the year. <laughs> It'll be like my new multi-level marketing product is vaccines. That's tremendous. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be rolling in it. No, but seriously, I do think we are going to have masks just because I don't think the big population is going to be completely vaccinated by that time. And I think that's going to be a concern. Like what percentage of the crowd is okay to be vaccinated versus not? I guess that's that's, that stuff that's above my head. I don't know that stuff. So,
1: so I, I read that Qantas is going to, once something is readily available that you have to have proof of vaccine to board a flight. Wow. But then again, you know, when readily available, I think that's going to be the, the key thing. When is that? And I don't think any of us know the answer to that question.
0: So you know what's going to happen. There's going to be airlines that say they don't require that. And that's going to be the non-vaccine people. Those could be COVID flights.
1: Super spreader airlines, you know, absolutely.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. What a crazy time. Oh my goodness. But I, I do think we're, we're not going to see huge live meetings next year though. Okay. I think we both agree with that.
1: I do. I agree.
0: What's the next big meeting then for 2022? What's the first big meeting that comes roaring back?
1: You know, I, I said this a long time ago and meant 2021, but I'm going to say 2022. That was our last big meeting altogether in 2020. I still think that's going to be the coming out party for the industry, whenever that is.
0: The Chicago Midwinter?
1: 2022 Chicago Midwinter now. I really had to hope that it was going to be 2021, but obviously, you know, with it being virtual, it's not. I'm just going to roll with 2022 Midwinter. What about you?
0: I agree with that. I I would think Yankee maybe, but Yankees, that's still too close to the end of 2021. Uh, Yeah, I think Chicago Midwinter is a safe bet. I'm actually, my first live event is end of January down in Jacksonville. and
1: and It's still on.
0: It's still on doing the ADOM insurance certification course. It's a full day course, and we are allowed to have, I think, 50 people, 40 or 50 people in the room. You know, you might see me speaking in a hamster ball. I think that might be what you see with Windex wipes, you know.
1: Please live stream that. I'm begging you. Adom, <laughs> if you're listening, please.
0: Oh, you have a question. Let me roll on over there. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, but there's there's that. Oh, I read something very interesting. Before we end, I saw that you are rolling out a program with Tia Hunter for assistance. Tell me more.
1: Well, speaking of Adom, and thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, we we, we did... Uh, in the height of the vaccine, we got together in beautiful Dayton, Ohio, uh, Tia and I, and shot uh, all this video, uh, and we call it DA to PA. One thing that I hear from so many assistants is that they are eventually going to transition to the front office. That's a goal of theirs. That's a hope of theirs. They see that as a step up the ladder. While I would love to see every assistant stay an assistant, I know that that's not possible. Adom was gracious enough to reach out to Tia, who's a great dental assistant, and myself, and. We built courses based on what we've heard on our years in the industry on how you make that transition, how the best ways for you to do it for yourself as well as for the practice. And so that's now available through ADOM and is a lot of fun to put together.
0: DA to PA practice administrator.
1: Yep. From from DA to PA a practice administrator. And our whole goal with this was just to let people know because Tia has made that transition. I've talked to a lot of folks who have made that transition. So I made it. Yeah. You could say, all the mistakes that you went through so that others don't,
0: mm-hmm. you know? And
1: so that, that was our whole hope with that. So yeah. Yeah. We're excited to see that finally come to life and uh, hopefully it'll be a big hit.
0: My big tip is don't suck up your boss's hair with the high speed suction.
1: See, I didn't cover that. See, you should have been in, you should have been in Dayton, Ohio with us. You would have loved yeah, it.
0: Yeah. I got lots of those. That's why I'm not an assistant anymore. <laughs> My poor patient boss.
1: (laughs) He's a good man.
0: He's a very good man. He is a good man. He can say a lot with his eyes though. I will tell you that. (laughs) All right, Kevin. So this is our last episode of 2020. And I, for one, am happy to end this year. What about you?
1: Let's be done with it. But uh, I've had a blast with you. And uh, here's to greater things in 2021.
0: Absolutely. So dear listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us for, I don't know what it's been, 45 minutes or so. Hopefully we made you laugh. We would love to see you in the new year. So until then, later.
1: And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little.
0: Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics.
1: We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.